Educational purpose only. actually got a few more things to touch on but i think this is a perfect time just to segue into the know your bud segment real quick which is pretty much a segment that i like to call the know your bud segment everyone that comes onto the show is like i like to say my bud so i like to find out what you guys do with your buds there's no right or wrong answer to anything i'm just going to throw out a couple options to you and you can just pick what's your preference and why righty yes yeah all righty man let's do it uh paper towel glass of water or straight into the soil what's your preference when it comes to germination straight in the soil Straight into the soil. I like that or one. Or a glass of water. No paper towel. <laughs> Everybody has their own method. I like that though, man. All right. The next one is feminized or rags? Rags. Rags all day, eh? <laughs> I, I've had some great feminized seeds. I just love to be able to make my own if I want to. I got you, man. Makes sense. Now, this one may be a little uh, self-explanatory, but still. Hydro or soil? Uh, soil. <laughs> loyal, right. to soil. loyal to the soil man i got my little sticker right here as well man i got yeah. this in my plan uh photoperiods or autoflowers i've been impressed with autoflowers lately but for a long time i was pretty anti i'm still a photoperiod guy if i find something i like i want to keep it have a mom of it and share it with others so photoperiod all right, man. I like that one. That's a, that's actually a common common answer as well, man. A lot of people cite those reasons. Now, synthetics or organics? Organic. <laughs> All day, every day, dude. <laughs> uh, wet trim or dry trim? Oh, God. Nobody should ever answer wet trim. <laughs> We've had controversial oh, ones, man. Ever. That's not even controversy. That's just no experience if you think wet trimming works. That's just to make money. It has nothing to do with herd quality. Yeah, I'm a dry yeah. trimmer as well, man. Yeah, we literally fact, have to I'm a no trimmer. <laughs> no trim. Knock the leaves off and smoke it. <laughs> yeah, I love that. <laughs> I've had people come on here, man. They chose wet trim and people went off on them in oh, the comments, oh, dude. Get out of here. See, that's what I'm talking about from experience versus books, you know, because you can read something that tells you that something will work and you're like, this fucking guy doesn't even grow. Like, <laughs> Oh my God, man. I love it, man. It's so, so awesome, dude. But bong or joint? Oh God, I like both, but daily drivers a bong. Oh 100%. man, I like that. Like I start when I'm on my vacation. All I do is roll. I have yeah. a more time. I like to get into Relax. it. I like to be able to hang somewhere beautiful. I love sharing herb and so tasting new genetics. I do love that dry rip before yeah. you light it, like getting those terps. And I do love a good roll, but I find myself because I'm busy grabbing yeah. my bong and that's my go to. So. You, you got to rip it and get out quickly, man. <laughs> yeah, bro. Plus, I like big bremers and i just went out of my lungs i just big bong rips come on yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man i fucking love this dude all right the last one though edibles or vapes oh god no vapes edibles for sure um i you know in college i got one of those little glass vapes with the little thing it heats it ruined all my herb then i yeah. got the new vapes with the whips that work pretty well but the high was never the same and then yeah. nowadays um, the carts. I don't like carts just because the metals and the stuff and whatever, but I've got some buddies that make some really good organic rosin that fill their own carts and they're no additives. And 
there's a lot of tech that's come out as far as like how to heat the rosin to get it to the consistency where it needs nothing added and put it in there. But something about it, I listen to my body. Yeah. Fucks up my lungs in a weird way. And I don't like it unless like I'm like traveling or something and I just want something easy. I yeah. much, much prefer flour or dabs or something that's like straightforward as opposed to the vapes. So. Yeah, man, I'm I'm not a huge fan of like the carts either, and like they say that some of those e-cigs and shit like that can cause like popcorn lung. No one knows about that stuff as yet, just because it's not been out that long. But all yeah. that sort of stuff, man. But yeah. uh, that actually got me wondering, what about like e-rigs? You fan of e-rigs, or you just like traditional rigs, like with the blowtorch and stuff like that? So I've done a little bit of both. Um, I find that in my lifestyle, you know, I got kids and a family and everything, having like the e-nail hooked up <laughs> all the time is kind of a thing of the past. I definitely had several different setups in the past. And I did like that you could just kind of just keep it going. Yeah. Um, but nowadays, my wife's got the Puffco Proxy. She loves Sweet. that thing. I love that thing. It's pretty cool. Oh. I've got a rig at home that occasionally I'll bust out and heat up the nail. But for the most part, I smoke flour. Like yeah. I've got people that give us resin, rosin and I love it. I'll try it. My wife goes through, I think, a little more than I do. And <laughs> I am all about flour. Like it's my favorite. So. I love that, man. Now, that's a great Know Your Bud segment, man. I think we got a lot of similarities because I love my flour as well, yeah, man. There's I mean, if you've been smoking concentrate for a while, then you rip a fresh flour, you're like, Woo, what is this, this? This tastes so good. Yeah. Man, we were even just talking about it just uh, earlier in the show, man. You got that harvest going right now and the room smells awesome. I got one plant drying right now and my room smells awesome. You know, the, there's no substitute for the flour, dude. None. Yeah. Absolutely, that's where it all begins. 100%, dude. Now, I noticed you guys do a lot of, uh, you know, organic style growing, obviously, but you guys also discuss like KNF methods and you also uh, touch on fermented plant extracts and stuff like that. So yep. for a lot of growers who are at home, KNF is becoming something that they're really getting more interested in, man. And uh, when it comes to like the plant extracts and stuff, uh, what would you say to someone who's trying to get into making, you know, FPJs or fermented plant juices at home and stuff like that? Do it all. Try it all and see what you think. There's no downside to it. And I will give you kind of the lay of the land, at least a direction to start looking. Okay. So when we first started Build a Soil, Clackamas Coot referenced the Guild Carandang website. And Guild Carandang, KNF teacher, and he had this student, Patrick, that was running it. And he had some really great recipes. I'm talking like little baby food jars that he'd like make lacto in, little micro fermentations. And he'd teach you every recipe so you can make them on your own. And in fact, it came full circle was Coot was talking about sprouted seed teas. And next thing you know, the Gil Karen Dang website had sprouted seed tea ferment, you know, put on it. Um, but that sparked my interest because it was making things from scratch. And I really liked that. You know, I just yeah. moved to Colorado, had a little more, little more land, wanted to have livestock and then raise my own food. And I thought, well, how cool you can make your own stuff. I didn't know you could do that. Yeah. Um, which essentially is it's laughable because it's like thinking all you can eat is McDonald's. And someone says, you know, you can make your own food. You're like, really? <laughs> you know? uh, so KNF, I'm using a lot of sugar. And so I'm sorry, um, when you're doing like an FPJ versus an extract, you would use equal parts plant material and sugar, mix them together all chopped up and let it kind of osmosis, like come together and make these juices that were super potent. And you'd have to use small dilution ratios, like a few drops. And you get the essence of that plant. It makes a lot of sense. I mean, you think of farming, they they like ferment all of the crop back in and feed it to the animals uh, called silage. There's many reasons why it's been proven over thousands of years to work. Okay. And so then as far as KNF goes, um, eventually the Jadon book came out and that is Master Cho's son. 
and he created a new extension where he goes like, look at why are we importing sugar? We don't grow that here. It's expensive. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And so that was more the extracts that are just water and plant material and letting nature create something that's kind of stinky, but that works really well. And so now that I've seen that all of it works in very different paradigms, I feel like it's more about loving your plants, giving them that what they need and making sure that it fits your lifestyle. And when it comes to the jadam, a farm can make all of their own inputs if they start planning. Yeah. And I notice a lot of farms don't plan. They call like a day before they need it and ask for a feed. But the, the like permaculture, the natural style has always been to plan. And so then you can make all your own inputs, save a ton of money, get really, really good results. And I think that's a lot of the desire is to be an artisan, to be a, a, a master of your craft. Yeah. And to me, that's like saying, I'm going to start a restaurant and then I'm going to go buy Campbell's soup and serve it. You're like, I mean, Campbell's is fine, but are you going to open can You're not a chef, right? And so I think a lot of growers feel similarly like, can I make this from scratch? Can I grow the garlic that I use in the, you know? And so you yeah. just keep going full circle to where it's like a journey you can go on. And the deeper people want to go in, the more experiences there can be. But it's not for everyone. I'm not saying you have to use KNF, but it makes sense to me. Yeah. Um, I will say that certain ingredients that are hard to replace with a KNF style, they have their place. Like I love amino acids. I like the liquid fish. But in KNF, um, you can make the fish amino acids or F, uh, FAA. And when you make that, you're not using phosphoric acid like they use in the commercial version like soda pop, it stabilizes it, yeah. you're using lacto. That's not available on the market. And so it's something you almost have to make yourself if you want to experience that or buy it from some of the new KNF manufacturers. Like we have fermented plant extracts, Miles. He has a KNF line. Um, and so I think it's really yeah. worthwhile to tinker with those things. But you have to know the difference. The, the fermented plant juices are used slightly differently than the extractions, knowing the history behind where they came from. Um, I would tell someone to Google Jadam Organic Farming PDF. The book's floating around for free and a lot of different websites. You can download it, start reading it. It teaches you to grow your own herbs, make your own pesticides, uh, make your own wedding agent. And it is, it is like the anti-traditional farming. It teaches you to do everything. And some people will be overwhelmed by it. But once you dip your toe in the water, you start going further. Um, yeah. And I think you're going to see good results. So sure. there's a reason why people keep doing it. It's not just some fad. It really does fucking work, but there's a lot of people that learn very little about it and kind of that, like, I forget what it's called, the Dunning, something like the, the curve where when you're brand new to something, you're like, this is the best. I know everything and I will teach you. And then five years in, you're like, I know nothing. I'm just learning. <laughs> um, <laughs> Figuring it out. There's a lot to know in this world. And when it comes to organic farming, so much of it is unique to your own terroir, your own soil, your own farm. Um, where in indoor, we can kind of share stuff that's similar because we can create the environment. So for what it's worth, keep that in your mind. I would say that growing the KNF way, oftentimes why I find people believe that it's better is because they're fully connected. They're the type of people that really care about everything about their plants. I find yeah. those people produce good results. They care. Where other guys are like, I'm just trying to milk some weed out of the closet by never being there for weeks at a time and hope I get the magic herb. That to me... Nobody KNF is going to act that way. And so I think that there's two things at play. People that really care, that's why they do it. And also KNF works. So. Yeah.
So true, dude. 100%, man. And that's a good point. So a lot of you people out there, you know, Miles has got some great stuff. Big up to Miles. He's a great guy as well, man. And uh, definitely just check out, uh, you know, the Builder Soil website. You guys have got some pretty decent options on there as well when it comes to, you know, uh, just for man to plant extracts and a whole lot more. So if you're def- if you're interested in any of these organic type KNF stuff. Right there, the pro line. We've been talking about adjusting that to a kit that has them all because KNF is supposed to be mixed together to make some of the different formulas that you're supposed to use. Yeah. Um. But we've also been considering doing like a KNF run on our YouTube because we typically don't do that, um, at least exclusively. So yeah, very interesting, man. I think a lot of people will be interested in that because KNF is just something that a lot of people are, you know getting more inquisitive about so what i would say to anyone tuned in definitely educate yourself about it uh just like you mentioned there's always a book that you can find there's always some article that you can read just educate yourself about it and you'll find that you look at things a whole lot differently once you do man yep 100 percent, dude now i saw you had a video recently man and it was about breaking up the root ball now is that a good thing is it a bad thing i don't do it I'm, it's so funny. I was at a buddy's house one time and he's going to transplant. He starts ripping the root ball. And I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, why would you ever do that? It's like a baby. You know? and it's fine, but I honestly feel like it's a throwback for buying like nursery plants that are just in these cups, totally root bound, different species of plants. Yeah. Fast growing annual. Like you transplant on time. Now, when you see these root balls that are just solid white, that's way too long. I like to see a nice, healthy transplant where you're getting those new shoes way before it's needed. Just yeah. enough to hold the mass of the soil. And when you transplant, I don't touch a thing and the plants just rage. And so I do not like to rip up the root ball. I feel like maybe there's some emotional connection there. (laughs) Why would you do that? But um, for what it's worth, these plants are pretty crazy. I had a hemp farmer. I'll tell you a story. Yeah. Um, Hemp was pretty frustrating for a lot of people. And a really good hemp farmer and really alkaline soil and dealing with all these learning curves that he's going through. And I think it was him and his brother. But anyways, they were very carefully transplanting this whole thing. Well, they got into an argument. And the brother was fucking pissed. And so the other guy left and the brother was just fucking slamming the plants and throwing them. And then he's like, ah, I better put it in the hole anyways. And they came back later and that row was just killing it, man. So I tell you what, it's not, it's like, to me, I don't want to stress the plant out, but I feel like kind of like life, sometimes some hard conditions make some hard people, make some hard plants, make some tough plants. And so for whatever it's worth, nature's pretty resilient. So. Yeah, man. It is resilient, man. That's one thing I would say. I, I've done it both ways. You know, I try not to, you know, disturb the root ball too much anymore. But back in the day when it was super root bound, I would literally take a knife to my roots and I would just go in there and move yep. it all around and just bust it open, basically. <laughs> yeah. And they both work. And I think that's why we get a lot of misinformation out there, especially when you're not having experience, is someone with no experience would say, no, that won't work. Or yes, you have to. I'm like, yeah. no, they both work. That's yeah. important to understand that. And that's the beautiful thing about gardening. You know, there's so many different ways to do things and there's no one right or wrong way to do things. You know, you can always take inspiration from other people and how they do things, man. And uh, that sort of got me wondering, man, when it comes to early flower feeding, you know, I heard you mention quite a few times, you know, the importance of early flower feedings and making that switch. So when is the right time to actually make that switch? You know, when you're in your feeding regimen from the nitrogen heavy stuff to the more flower feeding ready stuff. Yeah, and in living soil, it's kind of all built in. So if you're going water only, you don't make any changes. The plants will pick it up on its own. Um, when it comes to transition, knowing when, I usually like to plan ahead going, okay, I'd like to be flipping the flower when the plants are this size. They okay. fit my space. Gotcha. And I'll hopefully be at least a week ahead of time thinking, all right, I'll give it a top dress for what it's going to need later in flower. And so I look at it less as switching from like veg to flower as this is going to be a hormonal change for the plant. 
and then it's going to go hard. It's going to be doubling in size super fast. And so I want to make sure I don't have anything missing from that journey it's going to go on. Yeah. But I'm not really going no more nitrogen and all we need is P and K. Um, I, I do feel that it needs everything. And in the first few weeks, it actually needs lots of nitrogen to run through that stretch. And that's why a lot of hydro programs have a transition phase where they slowly milk the nitrogen down. Yeah. Um, and I won't say they don't need nitrogen. Like the formation of flowers takes amino acids for energy. And so a lot of people use aminos even in flour. But with a big bed of soil, water only, you don't make any changes. With a smaller one, you might want to preload a top dress so those feeder roots can access the food when they need it. And if you're behind and let's say your small container and your plant's kind of big, it might be advantageous to start to feed something like compost tea, liquid fish, things that are generally well-rounded as opposed yeah. to one pointed thing. I got you. Um, because in organics, it's more about keeping the buffet full so there's no limiting factor and allowing the plant to do its job. Yeah. Where in hydro, you're like making sure that there's specific amounts of everything. So. I'm glad you said that, dude, because that's exactly why I asked the question, because a lot of people think that there's this hard and fast rule as to when you need to switch, especially if you're in organics. There's not necessarily that, uh, you know, hard and fast rule that you need to switch. What you really need to do is sort of make sure your plant is happy with the environment it's in. And yeah. what you mentioned is getting an all rounder, you know, a nice little all rounder. I love fish fertilizers and those are usually good all rounders for me. And yep. uh, that, that can work great, right? Yeah. And one of the things that's interesting too, is if you flip to flower from seed, like you just put a seed in the soil and give it 12 hours of light and that's it. Yeah. It's still veggies on its own because it has to get to sexual maturity. It has to age a little bit. And so if we're only one week and we flip to flower, it may actually not trigger for a few more weeks until it gets to maturity. Yeah. And so there is some sort of built-in timing the plant will do on its own. But for the most part, we're talking people that veg a plant to its normal size or plug a clone in. And it's all about your preference. We're growing something in an artificial environment and it has to fit our space. And so most of my timing for flowering is about that. But if you over veg trying to get a big plant, now top dressing or feeding is important because there's no more room for the roots to stretch. They're going to be running out of food and it just becomes more like hydro when you've overdone it, so to speak. So. Yeah, makes a lot of sense, man. And and that kind of um, leads me to my next question, man. It's uh, about soil testing because a lot of people, you know, they want to reuse their soil and, and they're looking into different ways to reuse their soil. And sometimes they may amend when they reuse their soil. So how important is, you know, actually doing a, a soil test before, you know, you restart your run and, and, and re-amend and stuff crazily? It's, it's important. It was important for me to learn, but I make this reference. Imagine your cupboard and your fridge are full of junk food. Yeah. And there's a little bit of health food. It may be important to very specifically discern what foods you eat because you could like cause a problem. I love these analogies, dude. With everything healthy, you can walk in there and just start eating anything you want. It's yeah. not going to be a problem. And nobody goes and does a blood test and alters what food they eat. You yeah. just generally know you want to have a protein, you want to have some carbs, you want to have some vegetables, and that's a well-rounded meal. Yeah. When it comes to living organic soil, if you're not overdoing it, you don't really need a soil test. You just need to keep adding back in balance and it'll stay in balance. But – in a commercial setting, it makes a lot of sense to test so that you can keep balance as tight as possible. Yeah. At home, with a bigger bed of soil or a bigger container, I don't think anyone ever needs to soil test. It can be helpful because if you think there's a problem and you get a test that confirms it, you don't think you're crazy the whole time wondering what to do. But usually on a soil test, what we've learned over time is once, like our recipes, when we first mix up like a Coots recipe, depending on the compost, it was excessive in sodium and potassium right out the gate, and then it would work itself out. So all of our new recipes have taken that in consideration, and they all have high calcium, low sodium, low bicarbonate, low chlorides, the problems that can exist. 
Once those are out of the equation, as long as you don't add too much sodium or chloride or anything like that back in, it'll stay very healthy. And then as far as balance goes, like seed meals are pretty balanced. Um, and so like we mixed craft blend, it's 15 ingredients all mixed together as seed meals and minerals. That seems to work pretty well. I seen you guys got that uh, mustard yep. seed meal as well. Yep. And then we have an article on how to make your own organic fertilizer. And Steve Solomon taught this in his Intelligent Gardener book. He references having a calcium source, having a seed meal source, having a phosphorus source. And so if you know the basics, it's almost like making a meal at home. Oh, meat, some salad, some bread. Like you at least know you're well-rounded. And then there's those nights where you're like, all I ate was beef jerky. I know that was not well-rounded, right? <laughs> or whatever. So that's that's similar in soil. As long as we keep things balanced generally, there's not really a reason for a soil test. But they can be very helpful. They can reveal a lot. Once you do lots of soil testing, oftentimes you won't need them anymore because you kind of understand. But commercially, it makes sense. We're, we're trying to profit. It makes sense to do as much as we can to try and control those variables. Um, so for what it's worth, Soil testing, you don't have to be a rocket scientist and you'll have a lot of soil testing people that are measured down to the half a gram for your 20 gallon container. Yeah. It's mostly bullshit in my opinion. Like as soon as the plant starts growing, it's going to offset those ratios. We're looking at a very small window of time. So I'm looking for outliers. I'm looking for things on a soil test that I know are going to be a problem. Otherwise, generally the plants will do well within a pretty wide range. So. Smart. Smart, man. I love these things, man. You, you you got a lot of information when it comes to, you know, all these sort of setups. And I think that that's super important for a lot of beginners who are out here, at least getting into the organic style of growing. And organic style of growing is definitely something that you guys should try. And what I'm getting from uh, what you're saying there, Jeremy, is that even when you're going into, you know, soil testing, because a lot of people do suggest soil testing, but if you adopt the less is more approach, you know, you don't go crazy with your inputs from the beginning. There's less of a need to, you know, see what am I way over in because there's probably yeah. less of a likelihood that you're way over in anything yes so we'd see people doing super soil and they'd be way high on phosphorus and other things that would kind of seem good offhand but actually lowers your yield yeah um and so most of the time when people when people follow the build a soil way the principles that we've learned from others and are just resharing the less is more approach creates a situation where you don't really have to soil test um oh, yeah. but it i mean it's helpful it really is there's there's lots of nuances there meaning when they test a pile of soil they're testing like a thimble size amount so it's kind of like hard to believe that your whole bed is the sum of that thimble. But when they test the saturated paste test, which is just what water brings out of the soil, no acid, they use like a whole cup paste and they either grind it or they don't grind it. So okay. each lab will have differences. Yeah. And that's why it's better to understand the basics than it is to try and go way down the rabbit hole. Um, and a book that helps you with that is Steve Solomon, The Intelligent Gardener. You could literally get your own soil test, follow the math in the book. And you could follow it to a T and do a really good job. So, definitely, man. And a lot of these books, like, like you know, you keep saying, I've heard you mention a lot of different books and other shows as well, man. It's all about building that knowledge base for yourself as a gardener, man. Once you're smarter about what you're putting into the soil, how the soil works, how the microbiology works, you can pull out some fantastic product. Because as we all know, once you're loyal to the soil, then you're probably going to get some fantastic tasting product. You know, yeah. a lot of people say organic tastes like fire. Yeah, no, it's really, really good. I think that when people experience it, it's it's like it's like going to somebody that made you know raised their own meat and served you a really like a home meal for the first time. You're like, wow, there is a difference here. Like the fat that just yeah. tastes so good, that everything tastes so good. It smells um, good. There's a difference, man. There really, really is. 
Yeah, man. Fantastic. Now, the last thing I just wanted to ask, man, is that a lot of people are interested in, you know, different methods of aeration when it comes to, you know, their soils and stuff. And a lot of different options are out there. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a person that used to use a lot of, uh, perlite and stuff like that but pumice is making a, a really big you know upcoming these days uh, as of late a lot more people are turning towards pumice so for those people who you know are looking at perlite and pumice and stuff like that what are like the the pros and cons between the two should should people use one over the other or anything like yeah, that totally i don't like perlite at all and i don't think you should use it now is it bad not necessarily um it comes from a few places number one economically Perlite is much lighter weight. So it makes sense for profit based, which, you know, we all have to make profit. Right. But when it comes to like the official, like they would literally like take all of their garden soil from running a big nursery and they'll just grind it all up, put it in bags and sell it as like happy frog yeah. that came from the nursery industry. And it makes sense. They have all this soil that they got to throw away. Might as well sell it. Yeah. And at the end of the day, the perlite became an addition that's great for these little cells, but also ships really lightweight. Freight's really lightweight. It makes sense from that cost perspective. Yeah, super but light. The hidden cost is that it's made from obsidian that they're going to run out of eventually. It's not you know forever. And then they have to run it through a factory, puff it up like popcorn. It takes a ton of energy. Yeah. And then the real reason, obviously the, the feel good, right? We want to be sustainable. But really when it comes down to it, you can't keep your soil if you use per, uh, perlite. You have to throw it away because the perlite, you can smash it in your fingers and it floats to the top and eventually the structure breaks down. And that's good for a traditional soil company. They're like, yeah, every year you should buy new soil because it's the structure is going to degrade. We can't stop that from happening. But when you use copious amounts of rock dust, like volcanic rock dust, that's not going anywhere for thousands of years. And you yeah. use pumice. That is, it's the only rock, like you can take a piece of pumice and it'll float in water. It's that lightweight, but it was made by nature. And the fact that it's used in beauty and heavy metal tested, and it's used for many other industries, it's very well vetted. And then the fact that it's full of little tiny holes that are microbial communities, similar to the perlite, it looks to be the best replacement. Yeah. And so what we do in our soil recipe is we mix pumice at a pretty good percentage. That way the soil structure lasts forever and you never have to throw the soil away. But then we add rice holes in to make the texture real fluffy from the beginning. And that breaks down into silica and we get it from a particular company that does good heavy metal testing and doesn't have them sprout and germinate because they're parboiling first. Um, but that combination of drainage works really well. And I'd say the most important one to me is the pumice. So if I had to pick between rice holes and pumice, I would choose pumice and do without the rice. If I can do both, I like diversity and the structure that it makes. Um, but pumice is my go-to and we offer a specific size gradient that I really like here. And when you're buying minerals from a mine, they have the screen as the size that you buy. And it can have two numbers, like three eighths to by quarter. That's the big size and the small size. Oftentimes companies will buy the minus and that's a certain size all the way down to the little fine sand because it's cheaper. Yeah, We offer the pure, so it's a little bit cleaner and I really, really like it. It integrates in the soil well. It's fairly lightweight, but it is heavier than perlite, but it's perfect for no-till because you don't have to throw your soil away and it's a really big part of the process. That is amazing, man. You broke it down like as as well as you can because I I looked into uh pumice as a replacement for perlite as well, but I just did not understand, you know, exactly why I should make the transition. But hearing you now, I fully understand why, and I think uh you fully transitioned me, man. So I'm gonna be getting rid of a lot of the perlite I'm using, and I'm gonna transition to pumice because uh, it just makes a lot more sense, you know. When thinking of it uh, from the the sustainability point of things, and you know, using less of the energy, I always try to do my part, man. So thank you for breaking that down, not just for me 
but for everyone that's tuned in right now, man, I really yeah, appreciate man. that. Yeah, you're welcome. Hell yeah. Now, man, I think we've touched on a lot of different things, man, from living soil, organic beds, microbes, you know, KNF, FPJs. We've used a lot of different acronyms today, dude. I can you tell you that. Great job. <laughs> really good questions. I love that because some people are like, hey, so uh, what do you like? Well, yes, pointed questions, definitely relative to living soil. Great conversations. Thank you, man. I'm passionate about living soil too, man. You know, I love living soil setups. I try to go as organic as I can. You know, I really try to stay away from synthetics, not because I have anything against it. I've used it myself in the past, but I just uh, I just try to do things the organic way. I, it just works better for me and my setup, you know? Yeah. So. I'm, I'm really glad I was able to chat with you and, you know, we and pull out some of these gems of knowledge and information from you. So you can hopefully inspire a lot of people who are in the garden to, you know, make the switch, jump off of the bottle, jump into organics and try some living soil setups, man. Yep. Do it. You won't be upset with yourself. Meaning like it sounds all scary, but it is simple. We have a proven method. You'll get really good results. And once you've copied our formula, you're free to do it any way you want because you'll understand the principles which means you're now independent. You're no longer dependent on some company. Like if that bottle company closes and Corona happens and you don't have your formula, you're fucked. You're screwed. Yeah. Everybody that follows our method will be like, fuck, I'll just go to KNF. I'll make my own soil. I'll go out in the backyard. Like they'll find a way. And so yeah. I love that independent part of it. So. So true, man. And I think a lot of people, you know, uh, they already tune into you guys. I know a lot of people who drop comments on my channel and, you know, they were, were super happy to hear that we were able to get you on and uh, you actually super requested, man. So I definitely say thank you for coming on, man. But before we close off, dude, for everyone who wants to get in touch with you, wants to find you, see what you guys have got going on, man. Where can you do that stuff? Oh, uh, good question. So obviously buildasoil.com is the preferred place. Um, from there, we do social media. I've got Facebook and Instagram, and it's just at Build a Soil. Our YouTube, at Build a Soil. Um, but I feel like for people that have questions, you can call our support. We have growers that work here. They'll talk to you on the phone. If you want to email, it's support at buildasoil.com. We have a ticket system. We get back to them as quickly as we can. We make sure to answer your questions. And a lot of those questions get built into our frequently asked questions for the YouTube series, or we add them to our knowledge base. So your interactions help us. We're here to support each other. Our number one goal is to empower organic-minded growers with the highest quality products and free education. And that means we're here to support you if you've got a question. So please reach out, use this as a resource, and we want to see you crush it. Hell yeah, man. That is beautiful, man. I love that you guys want to see everyone crush it, man. And that's what it's all about. Sharing the love, sharing the inspiration, sharing the knowledge, and most importantly, getting everyone to grow that fire at home. Grow those beautiful plants, man. When all your friends have fire, it's a beautiful thing. You're never out. Everybody's got good stuff. But when you know half your friends suck at growing, you're like, I don't want to any of that like <laughs> so who's gonna make that dispo run today i guess <laughs> <laughs> oh man dude i had an awesome chat time chatting with you man guys smash the freaking like button for that uh thank you so much for taking the time to kick it with us jeremy i really do appreciate it i'm sure a lot of people are tuned in right now and on behalf of the thousand that'll watch it afterward thank you so freaking much dude i really do appreciate it man thank you man i appreciate it likewise take it easy Hell yeah, man. Guys, don't forget, hit that like button, drop a comment down below, and go and check out Jeremy on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook and everything. And most importantly, guys, stay high and stay fly, and I'll see you on the next one. Yeah. Peace out. <laughs>